Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Real World Productivity Podcast. I'm Adam Moody, and today I'm talking with Matt Sidholm and his background, SaaS development, leading a balanced life, or at least doing the best we can all do to stay balanced. <laughs> so we're going to be covering some areas that hopefully will help you in your business and life, so stay tuned. With that, let's get going. Welcome, Matt. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Great. Thanks for having me on. Good deal. Yeah, I appreciate you doing this. Uh, if you're listening, to, obviously everyone's probably listening to the recording. Uh, we're doing this in the middle of the day, so Matt was nice enough to take some time uh, from his, as you will find out, very busy schedule and join us. So we'll just jump right into it. And you know, the first set of questions I wanted to talk to you about is more about your uh, background and experience uh, so that the listeners can understand a little bit more about who you are and where you're coming from. So if you don't mind telling us a little bit just about yourself, uh, you know, get as much as you want to share or don't want to. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess I, I would say I'm, I'm more of a recent serial entrepreneur rather than kind of a lifetime serial entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I graduated from college. I got my undergrad degree in math and I immediately started working for the Princeton Review and worked for them for several years in a lot of different positions and uh, went from that. You know, while I was doing that, I started coaching college basketball on the side. And then when I left the Princeton Review, I started pursuing that full time. So it's this really circuitous route that I take in my life, going from the education world to uh, basketball. And then while I was coaching basketball, I started talking to some friends about maybe starting a business, uh, which we eventually did. And that's when I started to be, you know, an entrepreneur. Um, but that was actually not Statue, which is the business I have now. It's another business uh, mm-hmm. called My Test Answers. And it was essentially, you know, providing education videos for people. We started about the same time as probably a slightly more well-known entity called Khan Academy. And uh, so I, I always look back and I'm like, well, it was a good idea, but we clearly didn't execute very well. Um, and so while I was doing that, you know, and we had some successes there, but but it never really went anywhere to business. But two things went on while that was happening, which is I started, I went to business school uh, here in Dallas at SMU. And I was also coaching high school basketball. And it was when I was coaching high school basketball that I kind of got the kernel for starting Stacky. But of course, I had this other business. I was in business school. I had a full-time job and I was getting married at the time. So I had all these other things going on. Yeah. Um, so it was a very, uh, I, that's going to be a running theme here is just how many things I kind of have going on concurrently. But, you know, we decided, uh, a friend of mine and I, he's no longer with the company, but we decided to enter Stack into the SMU business plan competition. And we got second place in the business plan competition. And we won $3,000. And we decided to take that $3,000 and just invest it in starting Stacky. And so um, we got a programmer on board. It's actually one of your previous guests, Samer uh, Abu Salvi. And so, yeah, he got on board with, with us, our programmer. And we sort of just started to move forward with Stacky. And in the meantime, that other business, My Test Answers, kind of drifted away. But, you know, that, that we closed shop on that. And I just started to move forward to Stacky. And, and the sort of kernel for that was really while I was coaching high school basketball, after coming from the college ranks, I realized that, you know, at the high school level, getting stats is a highly inefficient process. And it's a really difficult process for coaches. And getting those stats to other people, like college coaches, where I formerly was, as well as newspapers and all these other entities, all these things that a high school coach kind of feels obligated to do. It was really difficult for them to do. They're not efficient way to do 
that can be hard. And so with that, we kind of created a process where it was really easy to keep stats. And uh, from there, it's just started to expand into not just collecting stats more easily, but also interpreting and understanding what those stats are all about. But, but all the while that I've been building this business, I've also still have a full-time job, and I now have two small children, and, um, you know, continue to pursue other things. I mean, I try to volunteer when I can, and uh, people kind of try to get me involved in their other business ventures, either as a consultant or an investor or some way, shape, or form, because I, I have this kind of unique experience and perspective from a how to get things done with very little, both time and money. Uh, I feel like I do a lot with very little. That's become kind of my specialty. So I've tried to help businesses do that. So coming from a background with math and then going uh, the route you did and then going back to business school, um, you know, did you have any sort of formal like, hey, here's how to manage a project or here's how to, you know, be more productive or was this stuff you pretty much picked up as you went? You know, it was a lot of learning by doing. There was, there was never any formal training. I went, uh, when I was at the Prince Review, I was a teacher there and um, I was working in the San Antonio office and the head job there, essentially the person in charge of running the office opened up and I actually got promoted from just a part-time teacher to running their office. And that was a real trial by fire. But but in that process, it was, you know, even though everyone's heard of the Princeton Review, you know, from a kind of back office standpoint, it runs pretty lean. And so it was that experience that started to get me thinking about how can we do this in the easiest way possible? How can we do this more simply? And I saw that company evolve a little bit, um, but also just in starting my own business, being in business school and, and just, I think business school is a real accelerant for me as far as seeing how other people do it with both a lot of resources and very little resources. Uh, but much of what I've learned about productivity has been out of necessity because, like I said, I, I don't have an abundance of time. And I took on some investors with the first business I started. We have yet to take on any investors with this business. Um, so we just started the business off that $3,000. Um, that we won in a contest. Now, we it's always sort of a, a question of if, if and when we might do that, but right now that's not on the table. So I've become good at being productive because I have to be in order for the business to survive. Definitely. No, that makes a lot of sense, and I'm sure a lot of people can identify with that. I know I certainly can. Uh, so if you could look back, or rather looking back, and you see where you're at now, and you see, you know, maybe, I don't know how many years ago it was, but, you know, while you're uh, working, you're building your, you know, your profession, what, what do you think has been the biggest change as far as you would now, you know, call yourself an entrepreneur and you built businesses? What is it in terms of either productivity or project management that you've seen the biggest change in yourself? I, I think I value time more. And I think that started to happen when I had kids. You know, I think a lot of people, I was really concerned when, when my daughter was born five years ago that all of a sudden it's like, well, the, how's my business going to do? When am I going to work on this? How's this going to work? But it, I found it's kind of ramped up my productivity because I sort of inadvertently adopted the Japanese method of incremental improvement, Kaizen, I think they refer to it as. And I sort of stumbled upon the sort of formal framework of that um, when I was kind of realizing what I was doing. And so when I was up in the middle of the night 
and you know with my daughter and you've got 20 minutes because you know she's you're awake already and she's got to wake up in 20 minutes to have a bottle it's like okay how do you fill that 20 minutes what can you do in that 20 minutes to fill that in and so i started to break down tasks that i had to do into smaller and smaller elements to where now if i have a second i'm waiting for my starbucks drink to get here i will open up Safari on my iPhone and I will go to a website that I know I need to access at some point that day. Then later it's a matter of opening my laptop and I can go to Safari and there's the website. And I'm not only does it remind me what I need to do, it almost serves as like a list for me, but I'm right back there. I'm, I'm right on the website and I'm ready to go. So it's little things like that that I've adopted. I think that was really the turning point for me was when kids come and your time becomes feels so much smaller the time to yourself it's you really have to make use of every moment you have to do something productive and, and in the service of the business to move things forward definitely yeah you know i find that's really interesting and i, I can't identify i don't have children but i can certainly identify with time becoming more important i think I've, I've found personally over the past several years that i've become much more almost maybe not defensive almost offensive about my time and telling you know people no and getting better about saying no to uh, the projects or to requests or saying you know hey come at me with some more information don't don't ask me open-ended questions things like that do you do you find yourself doing the same thing oh 100 percent yeah it's like a, it's like i was telling you i get approached from other people who want to start up a business and i'm more than happy to sit down and talk to people about it but i think sometimes like you just said, they come at me with these very open-ended questions that they don't really have a plan. And I'm kind of like, look, I got a half hour here. You know, I'll tell them like, I'm driving to the airport on Tuesday. I got 30 minutes in the car, call me at nine and we can talk then. And they'll kind of not really have a plan as to what that conversation is, is going to be like. And I feel like in that situation, that's not my conversation. That's your conversation. You should have a plan as to what you want to get out of me during that time. And if you're kind of like, well, yeah, so how should I build this business? It's like, well, I, I need a little bit more than that to kind of give you a little bit of guidance. And, and I'm not trying to make myself out to be like one of the guys on Shark Tank or anything like that. <laughs> but it's just, you know, it, I, I do value my time a lot more. And, and ultimately, you know, sometimes I'll be having these conversations with people and it does come to, well, hey, you want to get on board or we'd love to. And I'm like, no. You know, it's like, you know, yeah. I can be an advisor and have these conversations periodically, but I, I can't kind of get into something uh, new. I think, I think at some point, if I were in a position, and hopefully that'll happen in the next couple of years, where I quit my full-time job, then yeah, I, I'd love to get involved in some other things at that point. But, but right now, yeah, saying no is a pretty valuable tool. Definitely. Well, the, uh, I think you touched on something interesting as well, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there, um, you know, who either doing, uh, trying to build something part-time, they're doing something on the side. Uh, you know, do you mind talking about how you're working or how you started building Stack Geek and how you're doing this as like, you know, it's your, you're focused on it, but like you said, you're, you know, you're working, you're holding down a, a position, you've got a family. So how do you structure that? Do you have like, you know, just regular meetings? Do you have a remote team? What kind of setup do you have? Yeah, I have a remote team and we use, uh, there's so many great tools out there. You know, this is the second business I've started. And the first business I started 
there weren't nearly, it was before the smartphone even existed. And there were a number of tools that simply weren't available to people that are there now. And for example, like MailChimp. So every week I have a list of every college basketball coach in the country. And every week they get a newsletter from me. Well, that's something I can do any night of the week and schedule it for every Wednesday when my newsletter comes out. And it doesn't have to be a huge newsletter, right? But it's enough that the point of contact with them every week. And so that right there is something that can be automated in time. Same thing with our social media. You know, I use like Hootsuite, you know, and that's great on my phone. I can connect all my social media uh, to that. And you can schedule tweets and you can schedule. And yeah, it, it makes a difference to get on there and, you know, tweet something in real time when something's mm -hmm. happening, right? And so I, I try to do that periodically, but because there are these scheduling tools, there's a lot more pressure to do that. And you can do it at midnight on a Tuesday, you know, before you fall asleep and, you know, schedule three, four, you know, posts in advance and kind of stay relevant that way. Um, and yeah, it, it's, it's that type of stuff. So yeah, I have built Stack Geek and, and a lot of it's, you know, we are a software company. It's something you can download on your own. And I think it's more passive income. We do a little bit of consulting type work, but, but even that is more via, you know, email correspondence or stuff where, you know, luckily I used to be in the coaching world. So I know those, the hours those guys keep. Sometimes it's stuff late at night, you know, and it's stuff where we might be helping out a team with their games where they play at night. And so it, it's very conducive to me having a full-time job in that their game might not end until nine or 10 o'clock. And so that's easy enough for me to, you know, uh, put together the reports that they have ordered and get it to them. And, you know, all's good there. Gotcha. Um, yeah, that's good. That makes sense. Definitely knowing your market <laughs> helped out. Yeah. So I hadn't thought about that in terms of the coaching world. Um, so, yeah. So there's, I, I mean, there's just so many different tools like that that allow you to, one, stay organized, but two, uh, make yourself seem bigger than you are as a business. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm sure a lot of these coaches I work with might think that this is like, and it is, I pay attention to this all the time. So it's almost like a second full-time job to me, but I, it is not this over, overly all-consuming thing that I think a lot of people uh, deal with because I think I tried to do that with my first business and that business failed. And, and I had all the time in the world to work on that one, but you know, and, and I'll put that on myself, but also it's like, even with an abundance of time, it, I, I probably could have been a lot more efficient back then as to, as to how I operated and been more effective in executing that business. Definitely. I think having some constraints, um, I'm certainly not a, a huge business coach, but yeah, having constraints is definitely something that can help. And I know even just different personality types, you know, putting deadlines, things like that can really help out. Yeah, hundred percent. So I'm kind of curious and what you mentioned tools. So we talked about uh, MailChimp and Hootsuite. Uh, do you use anything for kind of team uh, project management type of stuff, or are you guys pretty much uh, like Gmail, you know, emails back and forth, or do you do you? Use oh no, we use uh, Slack. I love Slack. Okay. That's been great as far as uh, you know communication with, with different teams and and my business partner. You know, we're on there all the time. It also helps. You know, compared to email, I think when you're talking to your team, Slack is great in that it's just sort of those internal conversations, and they don't get in the mix of my email, which is more of those marketing conversations. 
you know, so I'm able to separate that out. So, so I love Slack and then from project management, we use Trello a lot. And uh, that's been a really useful tool just as far as, you know, we have stuff on there of roadmaps for like the next five years. And for this, for this product that, you know, we haven't even begun to write one line of code for, but we've got ideas for it. And the great thing about Trello is that you can lay all that stuff out and easily revisit it later. So it's a, it's a great project management tool. So that's definitely a couple of tools that I use um, outside of just email and phone because that's just difficult to do, you know, to, to sit there and get on the phone. But, but we do try to make time for a phone call or, you know, face-to-face -face meetings, all of that, especially when we're kicking off a project and we really want to get on the same page. It helps to sit down and even if we don't have an actual whiteboard, but kind of whiteboard things, you know, even on a notebook piece of paper and say, here's where we are, here are the steps, or what kind of timeline can we really lay out here? And then take that and push it into Trello and kind of break it out things. Like I said earlier, what are those, you know, micro steps that we can take along the way to help things along? Um, so many of those things, it's huge. And, and you'd be amazed when you constrain yourself how much you really can get done sometimes i'll look at the end of the day i'll look at my kind of to-do list and i've checked off a lot of stuff for my to-do list in, in one day where i'm still taking the kids to school and i'm still you know i'm in meetings all day at my job and you know this that and the other I, I think the biggest sacrifice i've had to make is sleep <laughs> oh wow yeah that's a that's a big one <laughs> um you know it's kind of interesting this came to me just while we were talking um but obviously you're providing you know a really valuable service you're giving these coaches more of an insight but at the same time you're also giving them efficiency and better productivity which is kind of interesting but when you and it, it's an interesting world i'm not familiar with the uh basketball world or coaching but do you uh ever help them with anything else in terms of efficiency or organization or is it um, or does the tool kind of cover all the bases for them? Uh, no, uh, there's there's a couple different services we offer. We have a software called Lineup that takes data that they already have and converts it into lineup data. And what we mean by that is that it presents different five-man combinations. It prevents, presents stats on their different two-man and three-man combinations mm -hmm. so they can see which players work well together. Uh, normally, something like that would be done by watching the video of the game and rewinding it and making note and trying to record it by hand, which takes hours and hours. So that is an efficiency tool in and of itself. But we also have a service where we take that a step further and we do scouting reports for them. And that is based purely on the statistics. And we're uniquely qualified to do something like that because I used to coach basketball and I have this mathematics background and we have these tools to gain even more insight into their teams and the teams that they're playing. But we try to break it down and really start to make the connection for them between the data and actual strategy. So we've had a number of teams get on board with that product. Uh, the last couple of years, really, that's gained a lot of popularity. And you know, it's, it's led to, we've had teams win their conference for the first time in decades. And, and I'm not saying it's all us, right? But these are really small. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but these are really small colleges where yeah. we're essentially their assistant coach, you know. And so that's really cool for me. I mean, I love those days when I was coaching basketball, and the only reason I stepped away from it is because of this pull towards the entrepreneurial world. And to kind of get back into that, but instead of just one team, I feel like I mean, we worked with twenty-five different teams last year across the country, 
at all different levels of basketball. And, uh, and it's awesome. I mean, this year we're going to work with even more. And um, that, that's a really cool thing. So on top of the so, – so we're helping them from an efficiency standpoint on a couple of different levels, not just with getting them data more quickly, but also in understanding the data more quickly and educating them on that front. Definitely. That's awesome. Yeah, you really be, and you're able to touch more, you know, than doing this, you know, for one team or doing it by hand. So that's awesome. Yeah. Well, we're quickly approaching uh, our cutoff time, but I do have one more question, Matt, that I wanted to ask you. So this one's a little bit more open-ended and I won't hold you to just one, but what one book or two maybe do you recommend the most people? And it could be any topic, uh, productivity or not, but I'm always interested in uh, what people recommend to other people. Yeah, I think the book that I've recommended the most lately is the book Mindset uh, by is it like Carol Dweck, I think is the author. I'd have to double check the author. But yeah, Mindset is a book that came out a couple of years ago, but it's essentially a study that said there was essentially two mindsets. There's a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. And the fixed mindset is... I'm bad at this, and that's the end of it. You know, I'll use math as an example, because that's my background, right? I'm bad at math. You hear people say that all the time. I'm just not good at math, and that's the end of it. That's a fixed mindset. You're very much locking yourself into a certain characteristic, whereas the growth mindset they found was the more successful one in that it kind of adds the word yet to that statement. You know, I'm, I'm not good at math yet, and, and sort of allowing yourself that opportunity to grow. You know, I'm never going to be as good a basketball player as LeBron James, right? Because he started at such a high level. He was blessed with a lot of ability. But he also worked to grow and become a better player, right? And very much has that growth mindset when it comes to an ability that he obviously has a lot of uh, inherent talent for. Same thing, you know, when it comes to mathematics. Yeah, I might be innately better at it than other people. But anybody can get a math if they want to practice and want to get better at it. And so the book kind of focuses on these two different mindsets and talking about how the growth mindset is so much more valuable, not just from a, you know, uh, self-improvement standpoint, but also from a management standpoint and, and seeing that in other people and fostering that sort of mindset in them. Uh, it even gets into raising children. It's something I try to be mindful of when I'm talking to my kids, you know, not just saying that they are that quality, but just sort of emphasizing the process in which they were able to accomplish something. So I, I, that's a book that I think, yeah, been, it, was, it was a really great book to read. And it's a quick read too. It's not, it's not a real, you'd think it might be, you know, kind of bogged down academically, but it's not, yeah. it's, it's a good read. And I think it's, it's useful advice for, for anybody on a lot of different fronts. Awesome. Well, I'll probably end up checking that out. I'll add that to my list. I've got an ever growing list of books, but that's good. And I, I'm a big believer in that, you know, if you believe, that you can't do something, then you definitely won't be able to. So you got to at least allow yourself that possibility. Absolutely. Yeah, totally agree. Awesome. Well, thanks, Matt, for a great interview. Um, I know that listeners have got a lot out of all the info you shared and telling us about yourself and letting us, you know, have a little look into how you run things with Stack Geek and your own life. So I really do appreciate it. No, thank you so much for having me on. So uh, where can people go to find out a little bit more about you or, um, you know, is it statgeek.com? I know is the website, is there anywhere else that people want to get in touch with you? Yeah, statgeek.com. If uh, you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at wearestatgeeks. And uh, I'll even throw my personal email out there, sid, S-I-D, at statgeek.com. If you want to reach out, if you have any business questions or productivity questions, more than happy to 
you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in making connections and, and talking to other entrepreneurs. So uh, definitely feel free to reach out and would love to chat. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for joining us and that'll do it for this episode. All right. Thanks to you for listening to this podcast episode today. It can be really beneficial to hear about how others approach productivity, organization, and optimizing their business and life. And if you're interested in taking your productivity and efficiency up a few notches, head to www.productivity.academy start. You'll find my Productivity Academy guidebook, which I recommend for all listeners who want to improve their lives and know that there are better ways to getting where they want to go. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.